I'm Dr. Orion Taraban, and this is PsychAx, Better Living Through Psychology. And the topic of today's short talk is politics and sexual withholding. So I'm going to begin this episode by briefly relating an anecdote from my own personal dating history. I've spent the last 13 years living in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is something of the belly of the beast when it comes to progressive politics and ideological feminism. Now, not all women here subscribe to these belief systems, but a lot of them do. And more than once, I've been punished with sexual withholding for wrong think that misaligned with these systems. It's also something I see occurring more and more frequently in the lives of my clients. Here's the anecdote. I once briefly dated a librarian. The first few dates went well, and we ended up back at her place each time. It wasn't until the third or fourth date that she came back to my apartment. And when she came over, she saw my bookcases. Now, I'm pretty proud of my library, which itself represents just a fraction of the books that I've read, and I figured this would go over well with a librarian. I was wrong. As she reviewed my books, she commented disparagingly that there were more male authors than female authors in my library. She went on to disclose that representation for female authors in the publishing industry was a very important social cause for her as a librarian, and she asked that I read more books written by women. I was taken aback. I mean, it's true that most of the books I read are written by men, but due to the amount that I read, it's also true that I read more books written by women then most people read books. So I pointed that out and explained to her that I read books based on what interests me as opposed to, say, the gender of the author, and that I didn't believe I had a social responsibility to read books that didn't interest me just so that certain demographics could be more widely read. I also noted that while I could support her in her social cause, it wasn't something I was going to take on myself since I have causes of my own. And it would take time, energy, and focus away from the things that I personally care about. I'm not against your cause, I explained, but I'm not going to actively champion it for you. And apparently this was an unacceptable response. Suddenly I was a misogynist and a sexist and an oppressor, etc. Suffice it to say, we did not see each other again. And that was no skin off my back, of course. However, I've encountered comparable situations multiple times over the course of my dating history. In the cases of these particular women, anything less than perfect alignment with their ideology was considered to be a personal threat to be punished and condemned. When this happens en masse, men who espouse wrong think are weeded out of the dating scene, and men who are aligned with the dominant ideology are afforded reproductive opportunities. This is the nature of things when sex becomes a consciously political act. I call the tactic of withholding sex for a political end the Lysistrata Protocol. For those who aren't familiar, Lysistrata is a very readable, very funny Greek comedy written by the playwright Aristophanes, who was a man. It relates a hypothetical retelling of the Peloponnesian War in which the Greek women, sick and tired of how long the war was taking, came together and took a solemn oath to completely withhold all sexual access from their husbands until they ended the conflict. The rest of the play depicts how this strategy unfolds. Ultimately, after many unsuccessful attempts to break through the women's defenses, the men eventually give in and end the war. The moral is that women can effectively dictate social policy by withholding sexual access. Not much has changed in 2,500 years. Now, before I go any further, 
If you're liking what you're hearing, please consider sending this episode to someone who might benefit from its message, because it's word-of-mouth referrals like this that really help to make the channel grow. If you'd like to support my mission, you can also go to my website and donate to my cause through the Venmo function. I'm doing it this way because I get to receive all your donation that way, as opposed to YouTube taking a cut. It's donations like this that help me do all of this, keep the lights on, uh, and grow the channel. I really appreciate your support, and thank you for your help. Now, for better or worse, things don't quite work in reality like they do in a play. And why is that? Well, in Lysistrata, every single woman in Greece maintained a consistent and unanimous front against the men's attempts to break through their sexual embargo. And this was possible in part because this was a relatively small community. However, in reality, this is not going to be possible. Some women might maintain a consistent front, but a lot of them won't. And this is because, given the intrasexual competition between women for men, especially desirable, high-value men in the sexual marketplace, one woman's withholding is another woman's opportunity. The more women remove themselves from the market on ideological grounds, the more advantageous it is for the women who remain. This is not only because those who remain will have fewer other women against whom to compete, but because they will become increasingly valuable as the available supply of women declines as well. With this in mind, we can understand that a woman's best strategy with respect to these social movements is to encourage as many other women as possible to withdraw from the sexual marketplace, either by means of the Lysistrata Protocol or by making themselves less appealing to men while continuing to remain clandestinely in the sexual marketplace themselves. Sneaky, sneaky, right? And I think that's why a lot of the women who openly support and encourage and celebrate women who say cut off and dye their hair or get tattoos and piercings or denounce the patriarchy and vilify men don't do so themselves. Hmm. The more women who withdraw from the marketplace in ideological grounds and the more women who make themselves less attractive for ideological reasons, the better able the remaining women will be to compete successfully for the dwindling pool of desirable men. Keep in mind that these motivations don't have to be conscious in order to exert their influence. If women really thought it was brave and strong and courageous to behave in certain ways in the sexual marketplace, then in the absence of any impediment to enacting those behaviors themselves, why don't they all behave that way? Well, leaving aside normal variations in preferences and personality, it's because not all women are that dumb. Seen through the lens of evolutionary psychology, women who withdraw from the sexual marketplace or make themselves less attractive on ideological grounds are the dupes who were deceived by the positive reinforcement of their intrasexual competition. They exchanged their reproductive success for the praise of their competitors. In any case, the Lysistrata Protocol is an inept sexual strategy because it won't ever be possible to secure a unified front among all women, and this is because one woman's withdrawal is another woman's opportunity. And this strategy is fairly self-correcting. Like, it won't ever succeed in becoming the dominant methodology in an open and diverse sexual marketplace. 
for the simple reason that women who practice this strategy aggressively rarely succeed in the game of mating and dating. What do you think? Does this fit with your own experience? Let me know in the comments below. And if you've gotten this far, you might as well like this episode and subscribe to this channel. You may also consider becoming a channel member with perks like the priority review of comments or booking a paid consultation. As always, thank you for listening.